0: Welcome to the Data for Betterment podcast, Reimagine Hybrid Work, with your host, Maribel Lopez. Maribel is the founder of the Data for Betterment Foundation and Lopez Research. The Data for Betterment Foundation is a nonprofit organization that helps individuals understand and prepare for how their career will change as companies embrace new technologies. Lopez Research, a market research and strategy consulting firm, helps companies understand how technologies such as connected devices, collaboration, cloud computing, and AI change the customer and employee experience. The firm's clients range from startups to global corporations, including 10 of the Fortune 30. She's also the author of the highly regarded business book on how those technologies are transforming the company, employee, and customer experience, right time experiences published by Wiley is also a frequent public speaker at corporate events and contributor at Forbes.com. Maribel is currently researching and writing her next book on how to build successful strategies for workplace transformation. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is Maribel Lopez and I'm very excited to be joined here today by Alan Nye. He is the global director of smart spaces at Aruba, which is an Hewlett Packard Enterprise Company. So, Alan, we've had a chance to talk a few times, and I'm really excited to get your take on reimagining hybrid work. But to get started, can you provide some context to the audience by describing what your company does and what specifically you do?
2: Great. Well, hey, Maribel, great to great to be on this, and thanks so much for having me here. Uh, really delighted to have this conversation. Very exciting and Relevant topic right now, so uh, for your audience sake, yeah, Aruba is the intelligent edge division of Hewlett Packard Enterprise. We are really focused around providing great context in terms of connectivity um, to many folks, uh, a lot of the key key sort of solutions we deliver upon is uh, around networking, core networking sort of gear, wired, wireless, WAN, and increasingly not just connecting people and their devices and their assets, but things like IoT, which are all kind of relevant to this conversation. And as I said, Um, We are part of the larger Hewlett Packard Enterprise and uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Uh, Many people are a lot more familiar with that name. We are a major sort of enterprise technology infrastructure provider and solutions and services provider in the specific sort of IT world.
1: So the reason I actually launched this podcast is that we've been talking about smart infrastructure, smart buildings for some time. We've been talking about the future of work. And I really believe that in the post-pandemic time, people are taking another look at that and reconsidering what that means. And I know that at the time of the crisis, when people were really reacting to what's going on instead of quite creating proactive strategies, um, they were spending a good deal of time talking to companies like you about their strategies and how they could implement things like return to the office. So when we think about that, I'm wondering what are some of the things you've been discussing with companies and how they're thinking about connectivity and physical spaces and sort of a pre-COVID versus post-COVID world?
2: Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, you mentioned the term "future work." That term has actually been around. You know, even pre-pandemic, it's been around for the last several years. It was definitely something that you know, as the intelligent edge business unit with my specific teams sort of charter, we've been really focused on for quite a few years now. Um, we actually have a headquarters facility, fairly new um, in Silicon Valley, where we leverage it as a. Living Lab to not only test kind of far-reaching sort of technology kind of present and future where things were going, but we're also pushing on where space was going. Um, and this space and, you know, from a space perspective, there has been a movement towards densification, making space a lot more modular, less single purpose and more multi-purpose. And I think, You know, the situation that we're in, you know, now working from home and having a lot of different companies rethink what their talent strategy is, rethink what their, which is typically, you know, the number one cost center, and then rethink what their real estate strategy is, which is typically the number two cost center in a lot of organizations, right? It's kind of accelerated this whole view of the future work. So while in 2019 we were talking about future work, the main driver at that point was really around employee engagement, attracting and retaining talent, you know making people more productive. Now there's a huge huge driver from a cost perspective because of the real estate portfolio and the fact that for the last nine months we haven't been using utilizing much of it a huge huge catalyst to basically take what we were doing, beforehand and you know in my mind maybe accelerated by 18 months 24 months 36 months so you know that's what it means to me and you know as i kind of think about it a lot of the conversations that we had with maybe some with more forward leaning organizations we're starting to have with not just the forward leaning organizations but you know kind of a lot of mainstream sort of companies that are really saying hey it's really imperative that we start rethinking about space as we know it redesigning it redesigning the technology that supports it and maybe even re- redesigning how you know our employees use it going forward
1: i think that's there there's two things there that i think are really important you know one is the concept that everybody's doing it now so in in that sense of the acceleration i feel like we've talked about it these things for maybe a decade, almost at at this point. And now we're seeing people actually tire kicking things, and it's across the whole stack of companies. And the the second thing being that we're kind of reimagining what that could be. So what are some of the types of reimaginings that you're seeing? I know some companies would talk to me about creating more collaborative workspaces instead of it being just butts and seats. I mean, is that the kind of thing you're seeing?
2: Yeah, I'll share with you an external perspective, and then kind of maybe Bring it back in internally. Yeah, absolutely. I think right now there is, and I think you would totally agree. Um, if you talk to a lot of companies and you talk to senior managers at those companies, people leaders, etc., we've been in a grand experiment whether we could work from home, you know, and be effective, right? Or would productivity productivity just drop off a cliff, right? And I think a lot of organizations are saying, "Wow, you know, for a lot of functions, not all people think can be quite." quite productive at work. And in some cases for focal work, perhaps even more productive than when they are in an office setting. And I think as a result of that, people and organizations are starting to think whether you call it a second space or a third space, there's a bona fide reason to, you know, maybe saying that homework, you know, could be be the primary space for focal work. And as a result, are starting to rethink about talent strategy, rethink about the portf- real estate portfolio and what is the purpose of that portfolio. And to your point, there's a lot of organizations that are starting to say, hey, when we do go back and re-enter the office, we shouldn't be dedicating the office or programming the office to do support 60 or 70% of focal work. There needs to be a much stronger bias towards collaboration or community work. That's why we want to congregate or convene people into a specific sort of space. So I think that's what's happening. And this is not just a pipe dream or something. What we're seeing in the broader market, and even HP, I could talk about this kind of firsthand, you're seeing some very, very big, profound decisions being made at the top level down to reorganize not just the real estate portfolio, but how people work in general. Right, um, HPE. You know, we've been in the news. You know, we just, as a result of a lot of these things, our headquarters are actually moving. From you know, we're moving from the Bay Area to um, down to Texas. Even though Aruba's headquarters will still remain in the Valley, um, we're gonna start to. We coined it internally, edge to office program, where a lot of our workforce, you know, we're gonna assume that they're gonna work from home probably the majority of the time for a large portion of the workforce, which wasn't assumed in the past, right? And there's a lot of profound implications re- w- uh, with respect to that, you know, technology and real estate and otherwise. And we're not the only ones that did it, right? You've probably heard Oracle just announced they're moving down to Texas. Um, you have other uh, other companies tesla you know dropbox is doing a lot of reorganization in terms of how they're going to be building studios around you know different areas of the country to support you know this new era of
1: work absolutely and i i think one of the things that i might have glossed over that i'd like to come back to is What is the concept of a smart space looking like in 2020, 2021? Like when we say that, what do we mean by that? We already talked about one aspect of it moving to collaborative versus focal work. But what else?
2: Yeah, no, great question. So I think over the past decade, most spaces you may laugh but you know i kind of feel like are pretty dumb right i think over the past 10 years there's been a lot of focus you may have heard a lot of discussions in the past around smart building technology it's been a lot, you know, the building starting to get a lot more sensors a lot more smarts and a lot of that was predominantly driven around just the building operation the operational performance of a building you know is it green enough are we energy efficient enough you know, on the greenness scale, you know, are we, are we, are we a good, uh, a good efficient building from a performance perspective and kind of what was left behind was when I used to hear about smart buildings is like, this is all great, but what about the user? Like the whole purpose of the building is to support users. So what about the specific sort of user? So as I kind of think about this and the reason I say the buildings are dumb is that in the past, you know, a lot of buildings have been built around under subscription. Right. You've probably heard of stats that you know the office is only forty percent or fifty percent occupied. And that doesn't mean that you're a low-performing organization. It's just that in the past it was very easy to program a building. How many people did I have? And that's how many chairs I bought, and that's how many desks I bought, and I call it a day. Right. But in every other sector, you know, whether it's our internet service or on flights, you don't build your business model around that. So, when I get, when I come to this, I think most recently, this reevaluation of real estate, they're saying, hey, we just have too much space, right? And now, with people working from home and working from home effectively, this is just a huge black hole in our balance sheet. So, we need to do something about it. And when I think about where technology comes in and what's a smart space, I think the ability to be able to manage a space appropriately, right, and if we're going to build more over subscription onto it, you need to be able to monitor it better, and that's where IoT is going to come in. You know, space realization, presence sensors; those certainly to be able to understand from a building perspective, what's live and what's actually happening within the space. And then other things, you know, we've heard of because of COVID and, you know, we'll have to, we could debate what the, how long-term this is going to be, you know, driving more touchless experiences. So I don't have to touch an elevator call button. I don't have to touch the, I I don't have to touch like the polycom in the room, et cetera. Can I just drive it more through an app or kind of have it understand what my intent is? Um, That's certainly something top of mind right now. And as I said, you know, probably something that we'll see kind of continue into the future.
1: It's fascinating how you can go through waves of technology. So we had this wave, which was all about creating applications and service that were touch first, so to speak. And now we're, we're totally reverting and it's going to be touchless. And I think that this concept of uh, what makes something an intelligent building, and and what would that intelligence look like now, is is very different. And the reasons uh, people are talking about it are a little more pressing than they were in the past. I know a lot of the organizations I spoke with that had talked about IoT strategies for a while said, well, now that we may or may not have anybody in the building to do certain things, we want to make sure that we have an option to remotely manage and control those. So I think that that kind of stuff is fascinating. Another question for you. You've been speaking to a lot of companies. Are there any ways to categorize the types of strategies organizations are implementing for return to office? You know, for example, does it vary if it's for first line workers or knowledge workers, or how are you helping organizations think through that?
2: Yeah, I, I think probably an interesting answer. So I, I think If we talk about the hybrid workplace, I think it's more knowledge workers, right? Because for some of the first line workers, and when I think about hybrid workplace, I think about two physical spaces right, or multiple physical spaces that users, because of this new, a lot of the macro things that have happened that need to start to traverse, right? A lot of the frontline workers, if you work in a manufacturing facility, if you're in a retailer, whatever, you may not have a second space. It's just not relevant. It's not relevant to that specific function. So as it pertains to hybrid, I think more from a knowledge worker perspective. But that said, you know, given just right now the situation that we're in, it is applicable to frontline workers as well. And I think for both classes, in terms of kind of the strategy, I think right now, there's a lot of focus, principally around two areas, right? Um, One that's relevant for both kind of personas is kind of a safe, safe return to work, right? Just to ensure that, hey, the way that we've programmed this space right now with a lot of the regulations that are out there, are we complying and just making sure that our employees feel comfortable, right? And feel safe. Right, so so there's definitely a set of strategies around there. Um, You know, there's a lot of new solutions that are coming to market um, that you know are kind of you know everything from things like questionnaires to be able to measure vitals to things that Aruba are kind of doing like in the space of more after the fact like contact tracing solutions that are actively being um, investigated and deployed by numerous organizations um, um, around the world. Um, And then the second piece is kind of more about the hybrid working, like what's the final state, the end state gonna be? And I think that comes back to some of these smarter sort of spaces when we do return into a space that's not our home or our office. What does that space look like and how does that differ? Right, and I I think in there, as I kind of maybe hinted, I do think that we're gonna be leaning a lot more towards oversubscription of office space right so just because you have a job with a specific organization doesn't guarantee that you have a desk that's dedicated to you um so how do we be able to manage that so that you know there's not contention and when you actually need a desk it's there for you and you're not frustrating the end user right so i think there'll be a lot of focus around that and then probably the second piece that's going to make those spaces smarter is that if we have a workforce that's now not all under one roof all under one room how can we ensure that they're equally productive when you have people that are off-site and not just remote teleworkers right but be first-party citizens to uh you know some sort of kind of process with their compatriots that are in the office on any given day right so it's a lot around collaboration technology what's some of the next generation sort of technologies that make it even more immersive the connectivity secure connectivity of how do you actually you know, get all this rich media or data, you know, back and forth between place.
1: I think you just started to touch on this, but this is the concept we've been talking a lot about the return to office, but there's also the stay at home. And I think the stay at home is very different than it might've been in the past. You know, I, I frequently refer to this from an IT leader's perspective as, you know, the 10,000 networks of one. So now you're used to managing, you know, a set of buildings, maybe a set of floors, maybe it was regional. And now it's like, well, you've got people all over the country, all over the globe, and you're trying to make sure that they have to your earlier point, a, Similar, rich work quality experience uh, while they are remote, and they may always be remote and they may come into the office once or twice a year, they may never come into the office, and that's a very different environment and I think that's one of the reasons why we're talking reimagining work because there isn't the same sense that everybody will be in the same physical locations anymore. And your points on oversubscription are also really interesting because now I've started to talk to organizations that are building specialized hardware with the concept that you're going to come in and you're hot desking and you're going to take your phone or your laptop and it's going to recognize who you are and your services are automatically going to appear. It's going to be like your desk, only you could take the desk anywhere. And I think that that is a, a a slightly different way of thinking of it than, you know, I used to have a specific desk with an IP phone and maybe I had some headphones or not. And, you know, that's where I went occasionally or maybe a hundred percent of the time. And now it could be, well, you're going to need things like indoor mapping to figure out where your desk is today. Exactly. Yeah. I I think,
2: you know, even just backing up to one of your earlier points, I think it's pretty profound in terms of mindset. I, I think, You know, if we were a year or two back, and I think you know, you've been a teleworker for quite some time, right? If you had an issue, you kind of were your own IT. You could go and ask for some help, right? And maybe you got best effort sort of assistance, but like corporate IT was like, hey, you know, Maribel or Alan, you're a home worker, right? So go figure it out. Whereas right now, I think you see organizations really encouraging and they're building their real estate footprint around over subscription. And the assumption is that you will work from home. And you're starting to see stipends to support ergonomics, support IT peripherals, to be able to support productivity at home. So one of the things, you know, network your network, your quality of Wi-Fi at home whatever it's no longer just the end user's problem right if so so and this is just an area that there historically hasn't been a lot of tools and frankly IT didn't want to care about or know about what you had at home and i think this is going to be a change of mindset to kind of say oh, okay IT may need to have a little visibility not creepy visibility but a little visibility should you know everyone lose connectivity at home right what happens if major isp has an outage right you know now you're not just working worrying about one building but you know a whole metro, metropolis area or a state or region right so um, it's going to be a definitely different mindset as we kind of convert into this new era
1: absolutely and i think when we talk about the collaboration tools you're starting to see that come to the forefront you know all this video we've been doing is clearly given a uh, new variant and version on how important the network is and how important all of the other pieces of technology you might have are. So with all that, we've covered a lot of ground, and I'm wondering if there's any advice you'd like to share with the audience about how do they think about constructing this new world of work?
2: Yeah, I think, um, as I talk to a lot of folks, I I think the first thing is to to be successful, right? And I think the jury's out. We'll see, you know, and, Twelve months, eighteen months. You know what organizations are successful, and what organizations aren't. Uh, we've talked about this for a long time. I, I think this is such a multi-headed sort of problem. Like you're talking about personnel, and there's an HR and managerial component to this. You know, a real estate component to this. Obviously, there's a big technology component to this. So, you know, th- my advice is that you know, if you weren't collaborating or didn't think there was a need to collaborate right now, you know, you're going to have to. You re- you're going to just fail miserably if you don't have that good collaboration there. And we've encouraged a lot of organizations to do so. And there are many that have. And I think those are probably more well-positioned. Um, I think right now, the technology, the programs, nothing's set yet, right? So what we're going to see is kind of a version 1.0 <laughs> of this coming out of the gate, right? And I think there's going to be a lot of tweaking. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see not just rapid traction with people doing this in this space, but no one's going to get it right, right away. Right. And either you're going to need to make some nips and tucks or, uh, you know, they're going to be, um, there's maybe going to be some wholesale changes that they're going to go back and just say, Hey, this wasn't right. Um, and that's okay. I mean, this is, you know, the office, I don't know. When I look at the office pictures, of the office, the seventies, eighties, maybe outside of a PC, it effectively looks the same. It hasn't changed in like 40 or 50 years. Right. So, um, I do think, you know, failure is not bad. Um, but, uh, don't, uh, don't expect everyone to hit a grand slam, uh, the first time around. But, uh, you know, that, that all said for those that don't act, and feel like, hey, this, everything's going to go to no- go back to normal. I also think that's pretty incorrect. I think you see some big companies making some very big time decisions uh, around this that have profound impact. So you know, to go kind of say, hey, everything's just going to return back into you know, November, December 2019. I kind of think that's a lot of daydreaming as well, too.
1: So... That concept of moving you know what was a three-year plan to the one year plan to now having a concept of a iterative, maybe it's a month or two trying things out and then going back and, and tweaking and recrafting I think that's that's a kind of agility that we're talking about for the
2: the real, like we thought, t- some parts of technology is slow. If you think technology, some parts of technology or infrastructure slow, like real estate is really slow. They run at glacial sort of pace, right? So now you're basically asking, like, this sort of asset that just runs super, super slow to effectively be like cloud software, right? You know, something that we know. Um, yeah. You know, so I kind of think that sort of iterative sort of approach is probably the right one, because we're not going to get it right, right away. You don't want to spill all your resources and your assets to get it like right once, right? Because you may not. Yeah. I I think, as I said, this has been a huge catalyst or flame starter, if you will, for this, uh, like we have a whole bunch of timber, uh, Tinder here that, uh, that uh, is going to catch on fire because
1: of this. Well, Alan, I love the fact that we've gotten to cover so much ground and I think that the opportunity that you laid out of taking an office space that might have looked the same for about 40 years and doing something completely different with it is exciting and empowering. So I look forward to hearing how you're helping companies do that. And I look forward to hearing how organizations are making it happen across the globe. Thank you so much for your time, Ellen.
2: Yeah, thank you. Pleasure.